To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three And if the pins ain't from them Don't bring them to me Cause I go off like a rocket launcher Man, I just hate the beat I'm a real monster I can hear the crowd chanting MVP That's my mantra Here's a standing on For the opinionated bench warmers It so strong. Yeah, professional, man. Alright, so um I've been hurt all week. Um I must admit it's Monday since uh it's Thursday. Man, you don't even know what day it is. I don't know what you day know, it is. We ran together, huh? Um I don't think I even watched the AFC championship game. I watched yeah. half of it, but I was just sick to my stomach. Um, I'm gonna be honest, bro. I didn't watch until like the last drive or it, it's, of regulation. It, it, it's disgusting what took place on Sunday afternoon. Let me tell y'all guys a little bit about my weekend. How y'all guys doing? I'm doing fine, but I'll tell you about my weekend. <laughs> okay, I had to work uh Friday night. I mean, I know I had to work Saturday night from three to midnight, right? So I'm meanwhile I'm looking forward to the NFC Championship game and. I didn't expect to have to work on that Sunday, but I did. So I got off at midnight. My job said, to hell with you getting eight hours of sleep. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be right back at 7 a.m. I'm down in New Orleans. Yeah. I have a hotel room, so I go back to my room, and then I, I be up for work. Uh, when I, I found out I had to go back to work or like 1 o'clock. Uh, yeah, yeah, 1 a.m., and I found out I had to go back at 7, so. Went to work, looking forward to the game. That's what's like really driving me the whole, you know, to get through the weekend. So I finally get off, you know. Uh, of course, it's not enough time to drive back to Baton Rouge. So, you know, and I didn't have a ticket to the game. So I just decided to stop by the restaurant to watch it, a Mexican restaurant. And I enjoyed me some great fajitas. It was excellent food. Yeah. Enjoyed me some great queso and, and 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 chips and whatnot. But you know, then the game, of course, came on, and you know, we dominated uh, in the first, you know, first half and whatever. And then the game, I knew the game would get close. And then the play, you know, the play that happened yeah, that, that transpired, uh, the infamous play that probably be talked about for. You know, at least another decade or so. The play that probably would change the way we look at NFL football for the rest of our lives transpired. And uh, I don't know what to make of it, but, you know, at, at the conclusion of the game, of course, my Saints became, you know, came eliminated, became eliminated uh, from contention of uh, competing in the Super Bowl. Uh, I feel like the game was taken away from them. And, uh, I mean, I was sick and I'm still sick to this day. 
You know what I'm saying? And, and it's going to take a while to get over what transpired on that Sunday afternoon, man. Yeah, I I mean, I, I agree with you. Of course, throughout this time, you know, I've been one that's a little bit, you know, close to being unbiased, but there still is a bias there because growing up, Saints have always been my number two team right there. And so seeing that play happen and, you know, being with my family, this is a family moment. We watching the game as a family. We about to see the Saints go to the Super Bowl as a family. And then to just see that play happen the way that it transpired. Yeah. That just kind of deflated everything. And like you said, it was almost like a, it's like, where do we go from here? Do we watch the next game? Do we, are we going to even watch the Super Bowl? Yeah. Or we, it was just one of those moments where we kind of just lost. Because all everybody in my family, huge diehard Saints fans, which has caused me to be still a Saints fan as well. And um, I don't know. It was just a, a surreal moment. Um <clears throat> Well, I mean, I know Los is itching to get in here because he's a Rams fan. Let me go ahead and introduce the podcast right there. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Opinionated Benchwomans podcast, episode 28. Your Opinionated Benchwomans are back. Carlos, Ramon, and the voice you're hearing right now is Rob. Fellas, how y'all feeling? How y'all feeling tonight? I'm feeling good, man. I mean, I don't want to hear from you. Episode. You're feeling great. I know that. Ramon, how are you feeling? Ramon, how are you feeling? Hey, the first time I talk, you cut me off. Yeah. I know how you're feeling right now. Ramon, how are you feeling? I got that, but what I'm saying is, I'm feeling good. We ain't got to make this episode like somebody died or something. They lost, it's over. You know what I'm saying? Ramon, how are you feeling? I'm, I'm good, man. It, it's been a, It's been an interesting week, to say the least. Um, definitely the result wasn't what I was expecting Sunday, but today has been a good day, bro. We trying to trend yeah. upward, man. I feel, I trying feel, to trend I feel, upward, I feel horrible. <laughs> I still feel horrible. Like, it's, it, like, Sunday happened and I still feel horrible. Los, you know, take the floor away, man. I know that this, this, this topic right here is going to probably fall into, like, six different yeah. conversations, so... Los, go ahead, man. The floor is yours, man. Your, your team is in the Super Bowl. Okay. I appreciate that. And I appreciate that setup. But I'll say this. You know, I'll say this. Props to the Saints right now. I give props to the Saints on <laughs> um, how they came out and how they came out and how loud they were. You know, that was next level. I'll say that. You know, when anytime a quarterback has to run out to the receiver and tell him what's going on, what's the adjustment, you were loud there. So I'll give, the, I'll give the Saints props on that aspect. But at the same time, you know, um, everybody talking about this catastrophic play and replay the game and things of that nature. I, I dare you point. to discount this play. I dare you. I want you let to. Me, let me finish. Let me finish. I want you. <laughs> let me finish. So everybody crying about this play and all the Saints playing this is catastrophic and crying. this, that, and the other. You know, it reaches a point of ridiculousness. Like, ridiculousness. to me, to me, it's you can't take one play of the game. A play that determined the outcome of the game. What are you talking about? Okay, you can't take one play. I'm not saying there wasn't a foul. I no, I know play. you can't. You can't say that. But okay. to, so but so that play didn't affect the outcome of the game. Okay, let me get my point across. So I know you was going to do this. That's why I let you talk and say everything in the intro. Every yeah. time I talk, I'm, I'm ready for this. I'm ready. I'm ready. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you. Because, so what I'm saying is, 
you got the one aspect of the play. If you go one drive before that, right? Oh my God, one and drive you go one drive before that when the Rams were driving and they were down. It was a second down play. Golf scrambled to the left and he got stopped at the goal line. If you replay that play, it was a blatant face mask on that play. If the refs call that play right there, mask. the refs are first and goal at the one-yard line. So they missed that call too. You know what I'm saying? But nobody wants to talk about that call. No call is bigger than the other. It, either it's a missed call or it's not. And so if they call that call, if you look at the percentages of what the Rams have done at the one-yard line this year, they've completed it at, when they had three downs to go, even four downs to go. If you look at the percentages, the Rams have punched it into the end zone. So what I'm saying is you can't look at one play. You can look at all the missed calls, and then you can go off of that. But you can't look at one play and say, oh, the Saints should have won that game. Well, if you look at that play in the drive before that where they missed that call, the Rams would have been up four. Then it wouldn't have mattered if the Saints would have had that play right there. They would have needed a touchdown anyway. So we can play the what-if game. Who knows what happened? The point that I'm making is the Saints still after that point Still after that point, they look at two plays before that. That third, because that was the third down when that play happened. Why in the heck is Sean Payton throwing the ball? Sean Payton threw that ball on the first down, incomplete pass. You know what that did? Gave the Rams an extra timeout. Sean Payton threw the ball on the second down. You know, missed it then. Or I believe he completed, I'm sorry, completed it. You know, so, you know, Sean Payton wants to bring up that one play or whatever to take off the pressure of what happened to him and his bad play calling at the end there, which is frustrating to me because I'm like, dude, if you would have ran the ball, the Rams would have been out of timeouts. You know, you left time on the clock by throwing the ball to Michael Thomas. He dropped it or the pass was low. I don't remember what exactly happened. Both. But you look at that, that aspect of it, you left time. So at that aspect, okay, they kick a field goal, they up three points. You still got a minute and 41 to stop the Rams from sending it to overtime. The Saints didn't do that. But, let, yeah, let's go back to that play. Okay, overtime comes, right? Overtime comes. The Saints get the ball first. Get the ball first to end the game. Still lose the game. You know, and I, I just I, – I, you can't go way back to that one play. Yeah, you got to move on as a team. Plays, bad plays happen. Yeah, it was a bad missed call. Do not get me wrong. It was terrible. It was trash. Even I was like, damn, where's the where, where's the flag? Excuse my language. I was like, dang, where the flag at? You know, and so don't get me wrong, but I can't say you can look at one aspect of the game and say, oh, it should have been over. Well, let's look at every other missed call, especially that missed face mask the drive before would have ultimately probably got the Rams seven points or six points. Well, it's a couple of things that I have an issue with what you said. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, as a Rams fan – with all due respect, I'm not taking away any credit from the Rams. Y'all played heck of a defense on us. Uh, there was a point in the game where we picked golf off. We made a great play. Y'all held us to three inside the 20. And that was remarkable. Y'all defense played very good all night. Um, Y'all held Michael Thomas for, the, for pretty much in check. You know, Talib proved me differently. And he stepped up to the occasion to make the play. I'm not taking away any credit from, from the Rams win. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, that play, particular play, cannot be belittled, Los. Besides, I know that you say that there were a lot of missed calls. And, you know, quite frankly, in every game, there is a missed call or, you know, a, a, a judgment call where 
you know, a ref might have seen it one way and the fans saw it another way. You know, that's every game, no matter what sport it is. But when you look at this particular play, you know, this play has the magnitude of a Dez Bryant, from, you know, facing the Patriots facing the Packers and had a touchdown pass and it was called incomplete. And in today's game, when they review it, it would have been a touchdown pass and the Cowboys would have been in the Super Bowl. This this has the magnitude of a call of Tom Brady, of the Tuck rule, where, you know, it was it was it was issue in determining whether it was a fumble or whether he whether he was actually passing. But in today's game we know in all that it was a fumble. This this that play that was miscalled, bro, was so blatant. Like, if there was a, a, a step-by-step video, if he was teaching someone who doesn't know the sport of football at all, we would show him a videotape of that particular play of Tommy Lee, Lee, Tommy Lee Lewis beating the defender so bad that the only desperation move that he could make was to tackle Tommy Lee, saying that he would accept the, the penalty, he would accept the fine in order to stop them from scoring and on that particular play that was passing the fans. You would show that video. I've never seen something so blatant. In my career of watching football, I've never seen a play so badly called in my life. You have two refs sitting there looking at the same, the same thing and it is not called. I mean, that call particularly in in the fourth quarter with a minute and what minute and fifty left, that determined the outcome of the game because you know you know we both know that if that would have been called, you know we know Will Lust that whole game was perfect from distances of 30 yards that was minus 30 yards that was like a maybe would have been a chip shot to him you know he would have got it and the outcome of the game would have been would have would have been done bro like that's one of the worst calls i've ever seen and i think that it brings up another conversation like we can go in circles because i know that you feel as though you know i'm not trying to take credit away from the rams but you know just like you admitted it was one of the worst calls we've ever seen right it was probably the worst i've seen yeah, and I agree with that, you know, and I, I think you, you setting this up, and I, I like how you setting it up. It's kind of like when people say, not to be racist, here comes a racist statement. Not to take credit from the Rams, but let me take credit from the Rams. Like you, That's not taking credit from the Rams by well, criticizing finish, the referees. That's not taking finish. credit from y'all. That's not taking what credit. I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, you know, we can play the what-if game. Oh, we know he would have That's not no what-if. How is that? What if? Like, you don't know if he would have made the kick. We don't know oh that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, so, let's get back to this call. So, you're saying that this call, it, it should have... Uh, all right, let's, let's get down to the basics. So, was that pass interference or not? I never said it wasn't, yes. So, it was, it was pass interference, correct? Okay, but after that point, you're guessing if it's going to be a game over or not. So you don't think? How do you know if it's so, game over? So in that moment, if they would have called pass interference, what what your reaction would have been? Oh, I know he's gonna miss the field goal. Oh, I know that that doesn't put the Saints in a good position to win this game. No, no, my reaction would have been, damn, I hope he missed the field goal now. Okay, so you admit that he would have been, we would have been in a no. better position to 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 close that game out if if he did, if he if that play was called a pass interference. 
So, yes, you would have been in a good position, but that does not guarantee y'all to win like y'all claim. But why well, take that opportunity away from us so we can know? Okay. Point. Okay, well, listen to me. Was it a face mask <laughs> or not on the, on the drive before? Was it a face mask? Yes, on the drive before, on Jared Goff. I mean. When he scrambled. Yeah. Was it? Okay. So, that would have put us at the one-yard line. We would have scored or not. I mean, like you say, I don't. We don't know that, but y'all would have exactly. been in a y'all would have been in a better position to score though, right? Exactly. But I'm saying we missed an opportunity. Y'all took the refs took an opportunity out of our hands. That's what I'm saying. That's too. That's the point I'm making. We didn't get that opportunity either. We had to settle for a field goal. Uh, what, what do you make of this, man? What do you make of this? Um. <clears throat> I look at it from from several different angles. First of all, officiating to me just overall in that game. Was We're gonna terrible. get into that. Yeah, but I want to talk specifically about what happened. Uh, specifically about what happened. Um, and going to that well last little sequence in, in regulation. Um, as I've mentioned, said it to y'all, said it on IG, said it to my family. Um, definitely, literally one of the worst calls I've ever seen. One of the things that was the biggest head scratcher for me was the fact that basically two officials were right there. Exactly. Like I don't understand how two officials can literally be right there and miss that call. And one thing I do want to clarify is that some people, I guess, you know, I'm not trying to throw shade at anybody, anything like that, mm-hmm. but that I maybe don't know as much about the game or the intricacies and all mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. We're talking about, you know. Well, the only way the Rams can win is to be dirty and do stuff like that. That was what he was supposed to do, right? Yeah, there. he was supposed He's to supposed do it. to take that. I'm not mad right at him for doing yeah. that. Roby Roby so Williams wanna, made the right yeah. play. So I just want to clarify that for some people out there, exactly. it's like, oh, the Rams had yeah. to make a dirty play he was, to blah 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 look, this and that. Roby Williams was beat. Yeah, he was he, beat he, like he a drum. You don't give up the play. And you don't it, give up the TV. And it's no credit yeah. taken away from him. He Tommy Lee runs a 4-3. Yeah. You know, like anybody will be beat with Tommy Lee running at you full speed coming out of the backfield. I'm not taking it away from I, – I don't want to – that's what I'm saying. With That's my issue with Los. Like, and most Rams fans, because they feel like – because we point out this intricate play that was missed, blatant missed, blatantly missed, they think that we're taking credit away from they won. Like, it's going to be a dog fight. We wasn't going to blow y'all out. Y'all wasn't going to blow us out. But, you know, it, that's what it comes down to. When it's two competitive teams competing, you know, let the players decide the outcome of the game, not the refs, man. That's all I'm saying. Not the refs. I understand your frustration, man. Uh, and, 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 Los, like, 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 I would be like you right now. I wouldn't give a damn if 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 if, if the Rams cheated. I mean, if, if the Saints, if we, if, if we was in different shirts, uh, different sides, I would feel the same way as you feel. But I still wouldn't lack the amount of respect toward the game to be like, look, dog, like that wasn't done right, you know. And you know, when, I'm not though. I'm admitting that it was a bad call. He missed it. I said that. I never said that. And it affected the game. It did affect the game. Okay, that's all I wanted. All right, we're good then. But let me finish what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when you know the game and you watch the game, you cannot, and this is what Saints fans are doing, and this is what's bothering me. You cannot just look at one part of the game and say, oh, that caused the game. No, you can. You can, Lowe's, because that was was an integral part of the game. What do you mean? What I'm saying is you got four quarters. 
You're at home. You are at home. The Rams shouldn't have been in that game. Poor you are at home. We cannot even communicate with each other. Our quarterback, first quarter, couldn't. His sound went off in his helmet. His sound went off in his helmet. The first and uh, second drive, his sound went off. Sec- the third drive, he had to get the backup quarterback's helmet to other to hear the plays. He had to put tape over his, his ear holes. Like, the Rams didn't even been in that game. Uh, Let's oh, talk about whoa, that. whoa, 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 whoa. Gotta stop you there, because I, I just can't agree with that. Um, Whenever you get down to this part of the season, and just like we'll probably get to the other side as well, you had the four best teams left. You got the two best teams in the NFC. We've looked at these two teams all year and have said this is the cream of the crop. Even when both teams went through their struggles and there were little doubts here and there, I know we all, as the three of us, always said this is going to be the matchup because these are the two best teams over there in the NFC. So I know there's home field, all that kind of stuff, but to try to make it seem like the Rams shouldn't even been in it because of all that, like we know that that's not the case. We know that talent-wise that it's right there. So Down no, 13 nothing. It That's should have been worse than that. What I'm saying is the Rams didn't have sound, no type of communication, was struggling. The crowd was wild. It was crazy. Like, I had a headache at, here at home how crazy it was. So what I'm saying is the, the, the Saints had a chance to step on our throat multiple times. We were down at one point 13-0. At another point, we were down 20-10, to 10, and they did not take advantage of that time. So you cannot go to – one play when you had and you were up that much and you were dominating that game and say, oh, that caused the game. No, because you had opportunities after that and before that to end the game and to end us, and they didn't. So that's what I'm saying. I think that, I mean, I do agree with you uh, to a certain extent about there are missed opportunities as well as y'all had missed opportunities. And you can always point, point in a timeline of a game where there is a missed opportunity. But for you to ignore the fact that that missed call ultimately affected the outcome of the game, Los, I know you better than that, man. You watch sports every day. You got one of the best sports minds. That's why we on this podcast. We have some of the best sports minds, you know, out there. Like, and for me, for me to 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 for me to say that, you know, for you to say what you're saying. Would be me to ignore that your your biases toward the Rams. Like you know better than that. And if if the if the shoes was on if the shoe hold on let me finish I let you finish. If the shoe was on the other foot, you would feel the exact way I feel. Like it's not taking away from your win. Like for some reason, y'all in the Super Bowl, regardless of how I feel or how Saints Saints Nation or who that nation feel about it, y'all in the Super Bowl competing with Tom Brady. But for you to say that that play. For you to minimize that play or the importance of that play or the you know the weight that that play held, man, I'm not believing you, man. I'm not buying it, bro. Like that, that's your Rams bias okay. right there. Okay, what I'm saying is, why is your missed call bigger than my missed call? Because it it was one. I can explain that easy. Can I answer that? Oh, uh, that was a, a hypothetical ahead, question. A minute and a, a, a less than two minutes left in the game. And a blatant pass interference that the world is looking at and knowing that it's a pass interference is not called. How is that not? How is that not heavy weighted than yours? How? How? Asking me a question. I'm asking you. Why is your? I just answered your question. I just. I I think we got. 
I think we have to look at time and scope of things. It's easy to get to me in the argument of that, you know, every every play and every blah, blah, blah is equal, but we know that's not the case. I can take it down to any sports scenario. If Kobe hits a shot in the first quarter, that's not him being clutch as opposed to him hitting a shot with his, uh 15 seconds left, yeah. and it's a dagger in the game. Different plays at different times, different calls at different times hold different weight. So I can't just give you that. Now, what I will give you, to me, officiating period in that game was just bad. And we're going to get to that, like Rob said. Yeah. It was bad to me. I saw things on both sides. So I feel you on that. We, I feel yeah, you on the yeah we, we going in circles. I feel you. We going in circles. But we are going in circles. You're, you're, you're saying the same quarter, thing right? over and over again. You said, bro, let me finish. You said fourth quarter, that's when clutch plays and biggest thing. Both plays happened in the fourth quarter. Both plays, both penalties, my quarterback's helmet literally got turned to the side. Why, you know, if it was flipped around, then we'll be talking about this the other way around. Oh, this play is the biggest way. It's just because it was the last play that happened. And you're just making our point. Good. You're making our point right now. No. It was just the last foul that happened well, I, that caused it to happen. I failed to mention I, I the other missed call with you Josh Hill. Josh Hill laid out on a stretch and they had to carry him off because of a concussion. Why? Because yeah. of a helmet to helmet that but, wasn't caught. Even too, like, even too, if I'm remembering correctly, and I want to say, and we can go back and later and look at this, but even the drive before Los is mentioning for the Rams, they missed a PI call on the same, yeah, the yeah, same boy who, yeah, yeah. So, and that's a drive that would have extended for the Saints. So it's like, you know, it was missed both ways, but it's still that time and that scope, that play right there, basically the game was on the line right there. That's why the magnitude is so great. And to me, it still can't be diminished that it was that. Now, of course, like Rob said, y'all in the Super Bowl, y'all there. I don't yeah. know, you know, you know what yeah. to make yeah, those I mean, points, let, let's shift the conversation. We we both know how we feel about that, and you know, and I think that people will agree with Carlos. Yeah. I think that people will agree with us. Uh, but what I do want to talk about is what has been coming up is how I think we all can agree on, even Los, about how bad the officiating has been this entire season. Terrible. And it ain't just with my Saints. I've seen it with other teams that I felt as though like officiating has been really. Really bad. Like, we had a segment where we didn't know what roughing the passer was. And the AFC Championship with Tom Brady, you know, he was shocked that he got, you know, that roughing. But, you know, it's just been horrible, bro. Like, and I mentioned, I think we mentioned on a couple episodes that I think that these referees need to go through year-round training. Just like players do. You know, players are expected to be ready year-round and go to training camp and all this. I think that referees need to go through that same, you know, thing. Yeah, I, I think it's a situation where, you know, maybe this is just my opinion. I think that ref, referees have to face more public consequences and ramifications for situations like this, for calls and stuff like this, for missed calls and things like that. Their feet need to be held to the fire, basically, in my yeah. opinion. In order for things to begin to change, for things to become better, for things to improve, I think that you need that. Mm-hmm. Referees, and I'm not saying that referees are going out there and they just blatantly missing calls and they just, but I'm not saying that that's the case. But when you know that that's that potential consequence, that's going to have you dialed in even more. 
even to the highest degree. And so I think that, you know, it doesn't need to be a situation where, hey, this is brushed under the rug and, hey, Roger Goodell won't even speak about it, which has a whole nother topic yeah, and a whole nother yeah, pod in itself. Yeah. Um, but it needs to be a situation where these refs are publicly held accountable. An apology, just like they do now, these apologies that come the same day or a day later, what do they mean? They mean mm. nothing at that point. That can do nothing in a Saints fan's mind. That can do nothing for the team or for things that we've seen, like you said, throughout the course of this season. We're not just trying to paint it like this, and we're not just trying to shut your rounds down or nothing like that, Lois. But just throughout the course of the season with the officiating, all these apologies that come after the fact, that can't do anything for anybody. And so, you know, it's a situation where this has to improve. This has to get better. These refs can't be out here basically like they participating in the bird box challenge. Like, they can't see anything. Like, this can't be the situation. This has to improve. They have to get better at their craft and be held accountable just like anybody else in any other profession. You killed it. You killed it. <laughs> you killed it, yeah. I agree. I agree. They, they, the game, the full game was horrible. You know, they, they were horrible. Horrible, you know. And it, it's crazy because before that game, the Rams were petitioning to get rid of the refs because they haven't won a game under that ref, you know. Yeah. So it's it's crazy, it's crazy, and I, I agree with you. I agree with both of y'all on that. It's, they really need to be held to the fire. Yeah, uh, I, you know, you know what hurts me the most, and it's gonna bring up another conversation, is that you really messing with these players' legacies. They work out year in, year out. You know, they finally make it to this big game. And, you know, they're expected to, you know, play in a game that's uh, judged appropriately. And they're, they're taught these skills to, to play the game the right way. And they don't have that support of the league or that support of these referees to expect that these guys who are supposed to be professionals like they are to be held accountable uh, to call a fair game, you know, like. Like this game, like you know, like Lowe say, we don't know what would have happened. Will Lutz could have choked up and missed that field goal, but he very well could have made it, you know. And and Breeze could have been to his second Super Bowl in his, you know, what almost twenty year career. You know, he's forty years old. You know, his time is ending. And you know, you know, you look at last year with the Minnesota Miracle, that was our fault. Yeah. That's on us. But, you know, this one was out of their control. They did everything that they could. They played hard. And, you know, it was, it was a hard-fought hard fought game like we thought it was. It was a slugfest. And for it to end that way and, and to see, you know, guys like Michael Thomas, guys like Alvin Kamara, guys like Mike Williams, you know, guys, you know, young guys. But, you know, you know, to, to you know, uh, Cam Jordan, you know, it, it, it's just, you know, it's, it's just hurtful to see, you know, guys' legacies to be tinkered with because of, you know, bad officiating. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I agree. I think it was absolutely bad officiating. And, you know, but, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. We probably would never agree on this. We would probably always go back and forth about this. But, you know, I would say this, you know, that didn't, the game wasn't ended right there. You know, and, I, and that's just how I feel. The game wasn't ended right there. Y'all still tied it at that point. That's how you're supposed to feel. You know, and it's the truth, though. You know, I feel like y'all still had opportunities to win the game and didn't take advantage of it. So, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I, as a Rams fan, that's, that's yeah. well-spoken. But, you know, just as a as an objective person, yeah. 
you know, you you could you could look at that and see that that was a pivotal yeah. call. And, and I mean, I think you, I think right now a lot of fans, and you know, and this rightly so, you behind your team, you follow your team all year. Everybody wants to win, go to the Super Bowl, and all that stuff, and that's how I feel about my team. But just completely just taking feelings out of it, which is hard because we're all human. Completely taking feelings out of it, I think you know if you look at it. You really did have opportunity to still win that game. You know what I'm saying? Y'all like, did too, though, you bro. Take the bias out of it. Y'all did too. I mean, that's easy to say. Yeah. That's every game. Yeah. I, right. I, I think I think chiming in on it um, and looking at it, not you know completely taking away that last play or all that, but I do, in a sense, agree with Lois on one piece. Um, I think that that final drive, especially that final sequence for the Saints, I think it got off to the wrong foot with Sean Payton calling that first passing call. Mm-hmm. I think that that was an error on his part. You see the Rams at the time. What did y'all have? What two timeouts, Los? Yeah, yeah, like only, two. Yeah, only two. two. Two timeouts at that point. Common sense. When the game is down to the, mm-hmm. the amount of time that's left, you run the ball. You force the Rams to use their timeouts. So you can milk it as long as possible. Now, I still agree that that call was huge. I still agree that it was huge. But I think that there were different things that the Saints could have done. But still, at the end of the day, I mean, that call is what it is. And if that call is called, then the game goes a certain way. But one thing I want to mention while we were even talking about this whole officiating topic as well is that I think that, to me, the NFL is becoming behind the curve on some things. Like I think that the, the honestly the most progressive league right NBA. now is the NBA. The NBA is the most progressive sports league that's out there right now. And what do you see what happens when it gets to two minutes left they in the game? They're reviewing everything. They re, they reviewing anything. So if a coach is coming to them or something like that and saying we need to take a look at it, what are they gonna do? Go huddle, go look at the monitor, they're gonna take a look at it. What? The NFL to me needs to begin to follow that precedent exactly. and there needs to be some things that are enacted and changed in the way that things are officiated and run in order to prevent situations like this. And I think that with with the NFL being presumably America's favorite league for so long and, you know, the history that that it has, I think that there's a sense of arrogance up there, you know, with the commissioner and with the, the board of directors up there. They, you know... They've been so successful for so long. It's just like they feel like they don't need to make any changes. And that's the same thing with the Major League, you know, Major yeah, League Baseball. baseball you know, they, you know they, they've, been, they've been around the longest. It was America's and, past. America's favorite game. Yeah. Now it's the NFL. But, you know, to them, now they're, you know, trying to figure out they're going to implement a, pit, a pitch, pitch count, count. Yeah. you uh, know, to speed up the game. The yeah, to it. speed up the game. and. You know, you know, even in the last like three or four years, you know, it, it was a a back and forth tug of war if they would review. And you know how many times that the baseball has been reviewing whether this is a home oh, run, man. whether it's, this is a foul, and these things. And they finally said, okay, we're gonna put it in the review system. Something that the NFL has implemented over what twenty years. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think that you know, and then college football it has to, had to progress into that review yeah. system. Now they progressed into to playoffs. You know, the NBA is on its way to becoming, you know, that progressive leader and setting the tone. But, you know, to my point, you know, the NFL is behind the curve. And I think because of their arrogance and because of their so much success, they feel like they can just sit there. And that brings another conversation. You know, I feel like the Super Bowl ratings are going to be down this year. You know, I think that with, 
you know, with how much money, you know, this is a, a money-driven capitalism country. You know, a lot of money was on the line with that game. There was a lot of rich people that, not even Saints fans, they probably betted in the Saints' favor, and they lost out on money because of a bad call. You know what I'm saying? So I think that brings up an interesting conversation. Like, do you feel like the NFL is going to make that drastic change, like the tuck rule? Or do you feel like the NFL is going to just stand firm and say, hey, look, you know, you, you got a commissioner that has, has yet to come in on the circumstances yeah. that took place. I mean. Right. I think, I think one, I don't think the, the ratings are going to be down. Um, and, two, I think that um, I think that can be a slippery slope, you know. And I think, you know, they probably will look at it, of course, but I don't think right. they're going to make a change as of next season. The reason I say that can be a slippery slope is because, you know, once you get into that type of situation where, you know, oh, you know, only two minutes, you know, only the, only the last two minutes that's reviewed, you know, critical calls or something like that, then it becomes, you know, well, they missed this call early in the game. Let's make all these calls reviewable. You know, let's make all these helmet-to-helmet calls reviewable. And then before you know it, you're spending four or five hours watching one NFL game at that aspect. And so I think the NFL right now is selling or trying to at least not slow the game down as slow as it already is. And so I think that's a slippery slope. You know, it can advance into more. I think certain calls should be reviewed. Don't get me wrong. I just think that I don't know what the plan should be. I just think it should be a plan to where they can, they don't make the game too long. And that's the only concern I would have with getting it reviewed. Yeah, this is this is my thing on it. Um, I think that we've seen, you know, what the NBA has done and implemented. We've seen it be mm-hmm. successful with the two minutes. And I think that it's even greater for the NFL. Now, you may get into this dispute of whether they do it at the end of the first half, too. But the NFL already has a two-minute warning. Mm-hmm. So they already have a natural segue to say, boom, when this, once this hits, it's then everything can be reviewed, can blah, blah, blah. And at that point, to me, when you just limit it to that and you have that natural segue, then I don't think that it will balloon and it will cause the game to get too long. And at the end of the day, if people are coming and you facing this pressure of, hey, this should be blah, blah, blah in the first quarter, second quarter, all this kind of stuff, you drop it to, hey, it's going to be at the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter. It is what it is. Boom, at that point. You're um, everything. And you just you just let it be, you know, what it is. We've seen that that has worked in the favor, in a sense, for the NBA. And the thing about it, the NFL, like you were saying, to me, they're very arrogant. And this is something that has caused major corporations, period, to fall. You know, I'm not going to get into it too much. Mm-hmm. But Blockbuster thought that their way of doing things was going to work forever. And here Netflix came up. And what happened? Blockbuster, you don't hear about them anymore. Families aren't going and, and renting DVDs on Friday yeah, nights Nobody anymore. ever would nobody. And so with the NFL, I use that as an example of you can't just get stuck in your ways and just think that this is going to continue to just be okay and people, you'll be able to, people are just always going to watch football. Now, do I think that's the case? People will watch football, but I think that you can start to see the ratings maybe potentially start to decline. And you're seeing a growth in the NBA that's going to continue to progress and the NBA, to me, is also becoming a, you know, the NBA is more international friendly than the NFL as well. So you also have that aspect as well. But 
I think that two minute part, that two minute mark is a natural segue because you already have the two minute warning in place. Well, you know, and, and, and two, I mean, despite how long it, a game or extend or talking about how long the game is going to be if they make this this change to review every play like in that in that fashion, which I feel like every play under two minutes should be reviewed. You need to get it right. Regardless, at the expense of, 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 of time, you have to get it right. If not, the integrity of the actual game and what we're witnessing is null and void. If you can have a play like that that's so blatant for you to miss, uh, are you, I, I, I'm going to say this. This is my opinion. You choose to miss this pass interference call. It's two people there. One, uh, a third referee was about to throw the flag. And you can see in the in the camera in the in the cube in the cube in your vision. You can see the ref saying, "You better not throw that flag." I mean, like you have to like. Okay, let's look at it like this. Like you say, corporations fall. The NFL is selling us a product. Their product is football games. No matter how it is, it is is marketed. That's what we're watching. That that's the product of the NFL. Okay, if you're drinking Coca Cola. And you're expecting this same, you're expecting it to taste the same every time. And then they just change their formula and it just tastes like it's flat every time. You're not going to buy Coca-Cola anymore, right? So if the NFL is putting out this poor, piss poor product, and I'm not even just isolating this game situation because I've been white. We all agree. We've seen some bad officiating all year. I think we even had a segment on how bad the officiating has been this season. This is the product they're putting out. Their ratings are going to drop. And it's along with the Kaepernick situation. The ratings have dropped. You know, with some people are choosing to, you know, boycott it. But with this bad officiation, why do I want to watch a game where I'm watching where referees can choose the outcome of this game? That's a piss poor product. You know, and, you know, I'm sorry to say it, but, you know, if, if it's a product that's, that's being put out like this, I'm sorry. You know, I can't get behind it. If, if, if something is not done, if, 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 you know, Goodell has already been watching, I already wrote a letter to Goodell asking him to speak on it. You know, with a, with a situation with this magnitude, you know, to show the difference between Goodell and Adam Silver, Adam Silver would have been talking yeah, about this. He would have made a statement. You know, it's lack of leadership. It starts at the league office and it goes down. You can't blame the Rams. And I don't even think you can blame the refs, you know, because they're not held accountable. You know, you can't blame the Rams at all. Yeah. It's not their fault at all. You know, you know that's what I'm saying to you, Lowe's. Like, I'm not bashing the Rams. It's not a Rams bashing session. You know, you can't even blame the refs that's officiating the game. You can't blame the refs, but, you know. You can, I, I, but. I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. If the on. league office is not going to hold them accountable, and they can call whatever they want to call, and, and, and Joe Blow, I ain't bother to look up his name. I didn't I even bother. Up the refs, but I can't remember the names. Of the I, I, I didn't even bother. I know one of them did play a season for the Rams too. And That's neither here nor there, season. right? <laughs> That's the one that was about to make the call. Yeah, actually. yeah, but you know, like, you know, you know, some changes has at these meetings that they doing at these nice hotels during the during the summer whenever they do them, bro. They gotta make some changes, man. And if, if no changes come out of this, I cannot, I, I can't consume this product, man. I yeah. can't. I can't. I just can't. Yeah. But. So, in all honesty, let's shift the conversation. The Rams did make it to the NFC Championship. What? Did make it to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Man, y'all still got me messed up. Y'all made it to the Super Bowl. Y'all be facing the Patriots. 
Uh, first of all, we I know Carlos will be watching. Will you be watching? I'm on the fence, man. That was like I said. I think it's underrated of how much I do support the Saints. Like I'm a Colts fan first, but I'm like a Saints fan, like close, right close. there. Yeah, under. yeah, yeah. Um, so when it comes down to probably the sports fan in me. We'll still probably yeah. watch it, but right now my mind been like, nah, I ain't watching it. Uh, I ain't gonna lie, so I ain't gonna lie, I'm gonna be watching it. The sportsman, and, and, and Carlos, he knows me, he's been knowing me for years. He know why I will be watching it, hoping that the Rams fall on their face. <laughs> um, and that's just goes to show you, I do not like, I cannot stand the Patriots, but. Man, the Rams got to pay this for is, that, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this this is the worst possible scenario for me. Cause first of all, I wouldn't have had it. I wouldn't have had an issue with the Rams going or winning or anything like that. Even though I really I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have had. <laughs> I wouldn't have had an issue without this whole call situation. Of course, I would have still wanted the Saints to go. But this has put me in such an interesting situation because I can't stand the Patriots at all. Like to me, me that Sunday after that that call in the first game. And then to watch that game end with the Patriots scoring the touchdown at the end to win it against the Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes, that's a whole other thing I want to talk about. But for Patrick Mahomes to not even get a chance to get on the field at the end and go get it. But, you know, it's going to be interesting, but I probably will end up watching it. And probably because I have disliked the Patriots so much. I may end up in your corner on this one, Lois. Oh, look at this. I may end up in your corner. Come on, man. I'll say this, man. Like, the the Saints fans can't direct their – they can't root against us. If anything, if you're a Saints fan, you would want to say, okay, the team that beat us at least went on to win it all. Oh, no. Hell no. At least. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. would have that type of mind. No, I think that's a more I think that's yeah. a more bitter taste because it's yeah. like, hey, we should have been there, we would have won it. <laughs> like like when the when, when the Vikings beat us on their miraculous yeah. play and they play the Eagles, I like, man, I hope the Eagles get I hope the Vikings just get smashed. <laughs> so I, I enjoyed them getting smashed by the Eagles that year. I'm saying I, I probably feel the same way. I don't want to see the Saints win, you know. So I, I'll be honest. I probably say the same thing, but I still don't think y'all should direct y'all hate at us, you know. What I'm man, saying? forget direct y'all, man. I hope y'all. y'all get, I hope golf throw five picks. <laughs> <laughs> I hope golf throw five picks. I, mean, I, I did outplay Breeze in the second half, so. I mean, Brady didn't. I mean, yeah, Breeze didn't play his best game. I no, can admit that. Yeah. But I think we played well enough to win the game. We was in. We was in the game at the end until the, the ref decided to put the blindfolds on. But that's we go in. Yeah, we don't get back into it. We just look at the whole look. Look, look. AFC is also part of this as well. Super Bowl predictions, man. Super Bowl predictions. Let Lowe's go first. We all know what he's gonna go with. We still got a whole other week, huh? Lowe's, what's your Super Bowl prediction, man? So I think we need to go in with a plan of, hey, we get in this situation, 
we absolutely milking all the clock we can until we score. You know, and I know sometimes that can be hard. You want to just get your touchdown. But if you leave two minutes on the clock for Tom Brady, who's done this time after time, game after game, year after year, championship after championship, it's over. You know, and I, I think that should be talked about, you know, going into these next couple weeks for the Rams. Do not leave time on the clock for Tom Brady. Keep the game close or win it convincingly and do not leave time on the clock for Tom Brady because he will finish it. Uh, I think chiming in, man, this is it's definitely a tough one for me um, because I feel like my dream is, is coming true. Well, really, the nightmare that I told y'all about last week that I had, <laughs> that I had told my pops yeah. about leading into the, the Patriots' first playoff game, and I told him I had the dream that, you know, there was all this chatter about the Patriots and the end of the era and the dynasty and all of that, and then they got into the playoffs and they were the same old Patriots winning games, running through teams, and it's just, at this point, it's hard for me to pick against them, honestly, thinking logically with this. Um, I think that it will be a good game. I think that the Rams are a great team, and I've expressed that throughout the duration of this season, even before the season kicked off. Um, But I just think that when you got that guy in Tom Brady, man, just like Los was saying, you know, when you got that guy in Tom Brady, I just think some type of way he pulls it off. He wasn't you know, we know Seattle made the dumb play, but he wasn't supposed to come back in that fourth quarter. No, he wasn't. He wasn't supposed to come back against the Falcons. Mm-mm. You know, and it's just some type of way it just ends up happening. It gets done. They, you know, I know it's not a miraculous thing to win a coin toss, but they happen to win the coin toss against the Chiefs to give Tom Brady the floor to be able to go down the field. They couldn't get off the field on third down. So, to sum that up, I... Right now, I would say I have the Patriots. I don't have a score particularly in my mind. Yeah, but we'll get to that I next week. We got another episode before the Super Bowl. I think that the Patriots will pull it off. Uh, I'm not going to bet against Belichick. I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady. They've yeah. done it too many times. I think Tom will pull it off once again. Um, Tom Brady the GOAT. Yeah, he is. He is. I, Lose. I, I also would say... Um, Lose, is Tom Brady the GOAT? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we all can collectively yeah, agree. I mean, the, I the MJ of the NFL? Huh? The MJ of the NFL? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah he is. I mean, and, it, and, and how many will it be? Uh, It'll be six if he wins. Six, six and nine appearances if he wins. Ooh. Yeah, MJ. Yeah, Tom. Tom is MJ, man. I hate to hey, see it, but. He's beatable, though. The Eagles showed that last year, so he can be beat. Yeah, especially if the referees put on the blindfolds again. Um, <laughs> so uh, Cam had arthros- arthro- what they call it? arthroscopic arthroscopic shoulder surgery. Um, I know that there was reports that he planned to that, that the that the Panthers were thinking about shutting him down for the season. So uh, are y'all alone by it or, or not? Or you think that it's just casual? Um. My opinion and my viewpoint of this, um, you know, I, yeah, right, right. Um, number one, I don't think it's, it's casual, so I don't think that. But I think that viewing it from the, the side of a Colts fan and Andrew uh-huh. Luck and us walking through this situation with Andrew Luck, I honestly think that it probably would be the best thing for them to let Cam sit out a season. Let Cam sit out, completely recover, completely recuperate, don't try to do too much on that shoulder. You know, we had the situations where people thought that Luck might not throw a football 
again, period. Oh, um, <laughs> we thought that he might not throw a football, period. And we saw he set out that year. And now, look, he was said to be what comeback player of the year, outside MVP candidate. Of course, not going to win it, but outside MVP candidate led his team to the playoffs. Future looks bright. Looks like he's regained where he once was. So I think it's a situation where they don't need to rush Cam back from this. Cam has several years left in his career, so don't rush it. But I'm also not viewing it from the lens of, hey, this is going to be catastrophic for Cam's career and that his career could be done because I've seen a similar situation with Andrew Luck. So I think, you know, the situations you can't compare but at the same time, you got to look at the, the Andrew Luck situation. He did need some shoulder surgeries and stuff. A lot of stuff didn't come un- uncovered, you know, until later on, until he came back with the whole skiing. I believe it was a skiing. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ramon. A skiing trip where he really messed up his shoulder. Yeah. And nobody really talked about that until, you know, he came back. So, I mean, you can't really compare those situations because Andrew Luck went out and did some stuff to his shoulder, you know, that, you know, probably just a freak accident mm-hmm. so i mean i would still i think they should still be cautious with him but at the same time i don't think he needs to sit out a whole season you know in that aspect because at the end of the year he was still playing with that bad shoulder not the can that we know but you got a whole off season now and he's been out since you know a few weeks before the season ended already so he's already been kind of resting that shoulder so i don't think it takes a whole nother year for him to get right um, you know, get that surgery, get right, and get ready for OTAs. Maybe do the whole, you know, don't play preseason, you know, you know, maybe not play the first couple weeks of the season. Maybe do that whole thing, you know, but I don't think it'll take a whole season for him to miss to get right. Yeah, with Cam, I mean, he didn't look like himself this year to me. Uh, he wasn't getting the velocity that he usually does with the ball. I don't think that. I mean, Cam, I mean, it's easy to hide injury with him because he hasn't been the most accurate QB his whole career. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, you know, he wasn't he wasn't zipping it like he usually yeah. does. So it, it, it lets me know that he has some issues with that shoulder. Uh, it's been speculation all year that he was playing injured. And I think that this, this arthroscopic surgery really, um, you know, confirms what was being speculated. Yeah. Uh, if you look at what arthroscopic surgery is, is that when they go in the joint and try to figure out what's wrong. So it, it's really not, it's, it's not telling of what actually took place with this procedure. But, you know, um, I guess in time will tell. They say they expect him to be back by OTAs, which I think is very soon. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he missed some time to to start the season. Yeah. And I think that what the what the Panthers do in this upcoming draft will be very telling on what, what direction they plan on moving. I've already seen reports where they are looking at quarterbacks. Yeah. So I mean, I think that if they if they do draft a quarterback in in the later rounds, uh like like uh is being reported then I think that that's telling of how mm. serious this surgery may yeah. be or how they how serious they think the surgery may have right. been. Uh, what they think about his recovery process. Right. And I, I just think that it's a situation with Cam that you can't rush it. Maybe it's not extreme, like you were mentioning Lowe's, that, you know, maybe it's not the extreme example of sitting out the entire season. I just hope that it's not a situation where he gets rushed back because we also do know that part of Cam's game is his legs and him getting out of the pocket, him getting upfield, him taking hits as a result of that. And so 
you know, it's still not exactly the same as a quarterback that's kind of immobile, that's just going to be in the pocket. Cam gets out, Cam takes hits. And so I think that for a quarterback like that, that really is the still, of course, is the present and the future of your franchise, is the high ticket item for your franchise. Um, I think you have to be very, very, very cautious and careful with that um, and sit him out as long as he needs. Now, if there's a situation where he can come back and we know that he's completely good, I'm fine with that, but not a situation to me where it's a toss-up and in the air. Yeah. Well, i tell you one thing. He's in my division, so... But I'm a Cam fan, so I do hope that he gets a speedy recovery and I hope that he comes back. So I, I, I am a fan of Cam. Cam one of my favorite and in my top five favorite football players in the NFL. So I hope, you know, much uh, luck with him and, you know, hopefully for, you know, prayers with him for a speedy recovery. Uh, meanwhile, in the AFC, John Harbaugh has signed a four-year extension to to continue to be the Baltimore's Ravens coach, making him the longest tenured coach in franchise history. Well-deserved. He's yep. done well with the with, with the franchise so far, and you know I think just last season I don't think any, many people was expecting much out of them. No, but look at them. Yeah, you know, and you know I, I you know they had much success this season. And I think that he's proven that he's a he's a, a heck of a coach. Yeah, and uh, I think that you know as a franchise when you feel like you had you got that coach that can do something. You got to keep them, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty You look at the yeah. coaching carousel that we talked about. Yeah, just a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, just a couple weeks ago, man. When you find yeah. that coach, man, you got to keep him. Yeah, like you said. Yeah, especially a good yeah. coach like Harbaugh. I think I like, the, I like the move, and I'm glad he's staying there because that's going to um, lock in Lamar Jackson. If you look at the Ravens' last game when they got eliminated and they didn't win that game, Everybody was calling for Flacco. Flacco come out. He stuck with his quarterback, you know, and I like that aspect. And that shows that, you know, the next they won't be getting a new head coach who maybe who don't believe in Lamar Jackson and his running ability and that type of football. No, you got your coach locked in that maybe believe in Lamar Jackson and is going to give build that offense now. Has a full off season to build that offense around him and get the type of players that he needs. Maybe some bigger receivers to block. You know, maybe, you know, faster uh, or, or an elite running back to go along with that read option. You know, different things to kind of cater to Lamar Jackson and his skill set instead of having players that kind of cater to Lacko, who's going to be moving on this offseason. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I think that's actually a great point, an excellent point. Yeah, um, great point. Yeah, uh, a point that most people probably out there wouldn't think of and think of that scope of it. So I think that that's a, a great point. I think that continuity right there is um, what's really important for the franchise. We see that when things aren't stable at the top, we see how that does, what that does to franchises. Um, and so having that stability there, you know, I'm going to throw a little mini shout out to my cousin who's a big Baltimore fan that I know is listening right now. So shout out. I know he's probably excited about this and happy that Harbaugh is going to continue there. Um, but I mean, I think they made the right call, the right move. And it, I mean, the Harbaugh's just as a family or an excellent football minded family. And so, um, to see him continue and to see, you know, as you were mentioning Lowe's that Lamar Jackson will be the guy there. He will get the most out of Lamar Jackson because he believes in him. You know, it's it's something that can't be um, understated. So, yeah, uh, and you know, and you know, like Lowe's alluded to, you know, talking about how he stuck with 
Steve, uh, with Lamar Jackson. I was about to say Steven Jackson. Lamar Jackson, you know, and, you know, I was one of the ones that was like, man, put Flacco in. You know, he's been here. He's won a Super Bowl. Like, he has the experience. But uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. looking back on it, sticking with his young quarterback, letting him know, let him take the bumps and bruises, realizing that, look, if he take these bumps and bruises and get these experiences, now he'll be in the future. Yeah. And that's why John Harbaugh is where he at. Yeah. That's why he's won a Super Bowl. That's why he's having success. That's why he's getting a yeah. four-year extension because he has the vision. He has the the the, the foresight yeah. to, you know, to do things that's, that may seem unorthodox to the average sports eye or the average coach eye that forces that makes him successful. Right. So I'm not gonna question John Harbaugh anymore. No. He's a respectable coach. Uh, good you luck. Think about, like you said, just even that quick before moving on. Think about what that did for Lamar Jackson. Think about what it does to him, knowing that his coach believed in him enough to continue to go with him, even though he knows that he has a guy that won a Super Bowl that's mm-hmm. on the bench that he could have easily gone to at that moment, but he stuck with them. So think about what that confidence is going to breed in Lamar Jackson, and then as you mentioned, the learning experience of going through what he saw in that playoff game, that's just going to force him to be even better and cause him to, I think, have a great offseason that will lead to a good regular season mm-hmm. next year. So real quick, sticking in that division, do y'all think that Ben Roethlisberger can play, play into his 40s? Real quick, no. Effectively? No. I don't think so either, no. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think that the type of player he is and the, and the hits that he takes yes. and, you know, how he, you know, he, he's pretty reckless with the ball. And, you know, thinking about his mental, he's been contingent on retirement for the past, like, three seasons. Yeah. That's, the, that's the thing that got me with this report. We go into every offseason wondering for the last, like you say, about three years or so, if Ben is going to come back or not. So what makes you think at this time to offer a big-time extension that's going to let him play into his 40s and all that kind of stuff when Ben at 34, 35, now what, 36 or 37 mm-hmm. he is? At 34, he was thinking about calling it quits. What <laughs> makes you think he's going to be like, oh, yeah, six years after that point, you know, I'm still good. I'm still going to yeah. play. Come on. <laughs> yeah, then he's about to lose uh, Le'Veon. I think he's going to lose Antonio, yeah, too. So, yeah, I mean, right. who's going to take the walk. pressure off of him? All right, I ain't want to stay on that long. Because who, who, the Steelers are irrelevant. <laughs> My girl going to kill me for saying this. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so um, NBA talk, man. Oladipo had a nasty, nasty, oh, nasty injury last night. Prayers out to him. Uh, prayers out to his family and the Pacers family. Because, unfortunately, I feel like, you know, right now the Pacers are sitting at three in the East. And, you know, an injury like that, that was their franchise right there. And Oladipo is one of my, like, guilty player, yeah, pleasure, yeah. favorite players in the league. I agree. You know, along with Chris Paul under Kobe Bryant, but first, but you know, one of my current, you know, yeah. with Kyrie, and he's one of my favorite players, man. And you know, I loved him when he played in Indiana, and to see him go down, University of Indiana, and, and when, to see him go down like that, bro, I just hate it. But they say that he had surgery and it was successful, so he's gonna have to focus on recovery from here on out. But he will be out for the season with a ruptured. Uh, what is uh, was it like? It- Quiet, yeah, yeah, ruptured quiet tendon. So you know, yeah, nah, that's that's a tough situation. Like you said, I mean, 
that team is one of the teams that consistently gets underrated. Mm-hmm. Like, people don't talk about Perry. it. I mean, they're sitting, like you said, third in the East. I mean, you look at Bogdanovich averaging yeah. 15. Right. You got Miles Turner averaging 15. Yeah, you look at the fact, the contributions that they got from Sabonis off the bench. Mm-hmm. Like, they're a team that's relatively deep. Or relatively, Turner, yeah, yeah, relative a solid defensive team, relatively a long team, and just, you know, I this thing missing Oladipo just. Best defensive team in the league? Up there, I don't know. Statistically, if I give them. yeah, yeah I, don't know if I, give them, I don't know if I give them the best. But, statistically, they are. But they're, they're, yeah, I, I'm one too. That stats don't mean everything. For me, so. <laughs> okay. Uh, but um, to see them being third in the East, knowing that I mean they're ahead of a team that we talk about a lot with the Boston Celtics. I mean, so you know, um, this pretty much just kind of ends any shot that they really had, though, in my opinion. So yeah. I think they will slump. I think they will play with energy for the next couple games, but I think they will slump, ultimately. Yeah, I mean, you look at that, you know, he was an all-star as he was selected for reserve, you know, to get the whole, the, kind of like the hometown dude who played ball there, college ball there. So, I mean, you know, this is not the first time the Pacers has dealt with, a, you know, a huge injury like this before, you know, and the players bounce back. So, I mean, I expect him to bounce back. And be the player that he was beforehand. So I mean, it's sad to see, and I, you know, I like Aladipo and how he came on the scene last year out of nowhere. But you know, I just sometimes these type of things have these these underlying meanings, you know. And you know, I just, I, I mean, I wish the best. I mean, he was in tears. You know, it's tough seeing that somebody that compete, something you love, do every day, just taken from you just like that. So you know, it's it's it's, it's tough, man. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, after that sad moment, we get to some, uh, I guess, a, kind of bittersweet because he's shredding up all Kobe's records, but uh, uh, not James all. Harden, not all of them, but, you know, some. a lot of, I mean, yeah, some, some. <laughs> but <laughs> James Harden, proper perspective. James Harden and uh, Chris Paul absence, it's no secret, he's been tearing up the league. He just had 61 points in Madison Square Garden, along with double-figure rebounds. I want to say he had 12 rebounds along with 61 points. Man, he's been killing it, man. Last five games, he's averaging 52.2 points. And then, you know, the last 76 scores, they are none assisted, bro. Yeah, like, think about how hard that is to do. He's getting buckets on his own, man. He's I mean, he's killing it. And I don't see no end in sight. I do have some concerns in him burning out, you know, just like Kobe did. And, you know, I mean, if you think about the history of his coach, what's his coach name? Dan Tony. Dan Tony. He coached Kobe his last year that he was healthy. And Kobe was killing it just like this. And we know of the when we try to block out our minds that Achilles yeah. tendon just tore. So I mean Bro, you said the sad moments were over, bro. I know. Bro, you said that was over. And uh, you know, Dan Tony, you know, along with uh, you know, Timberwolves fired coach. Tibbs. Tibbs, you know, they run their players into the ground, man. So, the, I, I mean, with, can Harden keep this pace through through now through the playoffs? I mean, I think with looking at it with Harden, um, I don't think that he can keep this particular pace. And I think, of course, things are going to change a lot once Chris Paul comes back. Right now, the ball is just completely yeah, his in James Harden's hands. The ball is in James Harden's hands so much. 
that PJ Tucker didn't even want to grab it on the inbounds. I don't know if y'all saw that play where he tried to throw it into yeah. PJ Tucker and he stepped back from it like, what are you doing? But that's just how much the ball is in James Harden's hands. And so, you know, I think that right now, I mean, he's on a historic pace. Can't take anything from him. Um, you know, more in a sense. I mean, I I like James Harden. I'm not the biggest defense. fan of yeah, he doesn't play the defense. Um, but I mean, he's he's you can't knock what he's doing right now. He's lighting up the league and he's, you know, almost unguardable right now, especially with the way that the NBA is when you pretty much can't guard anybody anyway and can't touch anybody. You know, I think things would be a lot different if it's if he were kind of doing these things back in the late 90s and early 2000s and stuff like that, I may would even hold it to an even higher degree than I hold it right now. But, you know, he's still, he's lighting up the league. But this is not sustainable. To get to your question, this is not sustainable. He can't do this the rest of the season and then roll through the playoffs. Yeah, like I think this. he's just doing so what he out. has to do to think keep of, the team afloat. Think about it a couple of years ago against the Spurs when it looked like he just flamed out. That yeah. was the first year that people thought he may have could have won MVP when he didn't get it because Russ got it. Yeah, but, Russ, triple-double Russ. Yeah, triple-double Russ. But look at what happened. He got into the playoffs, and then he just kind of flamed out. And so, Well, my thing with it is that I want to see what he does in the playoffs. Uh, no no, no shade towards Peyton Manning, but we all know the Hey, you're not going to do this again. You did this last week. You're not going to do this again. And I told you, you know what? You know what? Just because of that, and because we lead up to the Super Bowl next segment, next, next week, you know what? I'm bringing in all the stats, and I'm about to show you and, and prove against your argument. So I will come prepared next week. I don't so know, if y'all want to hear the Peyton Manning I, argument, listeners, I, I don't listen know. to next the week. Last time, uh, the last time uh, Peyton Manning was in the Super Bowl, Man, he, he did have noodle arm and Von. I mean, okay, Von, yeah, I agree with that. Obviously, and, and I agree Von, with that. Von Miller did uh, get the MVP. I, I mean, I, I, I hey, I, I'm just going on what I saw, man. You know, noodle arm, Manny. <laughs> So we 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 know the amazing stats. Yeah, we know the amazing stats that Harden has put up in, in, in natural form for the past two years. He has definitely proved that the playoff moment really is overwhelming for him and he doesn't perform in regular season. So none of this really matters to me. Uh I guess to the average fan it is amazing for a guy to put up this amount of points. But what are you doing in the playoffs? That's what I want to see. You know, if he does this in the playoffs, then I think I'll gain another respect to me for towards him. But it's easy to put up these numbers in the receiving. But what you gonna do when the court shrinks? When when defense is a, is a vocal point uh, for every NBA team that you're facing, uh, what are you gonna do when when your back is against the wall? And, and the refs don't call a game is tight. Exactly. So I mean, I think that he's 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 uh. He's proven. I mean, what he's doing is amazing. Not to take away anything from him. I, I, it's, it's, it's fun to watch. But, I, I, again, you know, what raises a, a flag to me is how underwhelming he's been been able to perform uh, in the playoffs. And, you know, time after time again, you know, we, you, you talked about the year that he could have won MVP, but triple-double, averaging triple-double is amazing. It's something that we hadn't seen uh, in a long, long, long time. And, you know, before we were born, <laughs> But, you know, they had to give it to Russ, you know, and seeing even the year that Steph won it was debatable whether uh, Harden, but I'm running off on a tangent, yeah. but to get to where we are right now, I'm, you know, 
it's more specifically last year, and I was like, okay, Harden, you know, he won the MVP. What he's doing is amazing. He's gonna dominate in these playoffs. And to see him not, I'm I'm tired of the emotional roller coaster. I'm not buying in this year, guys. I'm not doing it. Show me what you're gonna do. Yeah, show me what you're gonna do in the playoffs. I'm tired of you, you know, going nuts in the regular season, and then you get in the playoffs and you act like you don't remember how to score. I'm tired of it. is the game tightens up. You know, yeah. you see in a team, you know, night after night, these refs, you know, kind of, you know, these refs, what a lot of people don't know is they meet, you know, they meet up before the game, you know, in the playoffs and stuff. Maybe not so much during the regular season, but in the playoffs, they meet up and they talk, you know, and they talk about different aspects and different things. You're not going to get away with all these calls. Majority of James Harden's points come from the free throw line. Yep. He's not going to get all those points. In those free throw tries, you gotta earn it in the playoffs. The floor strengths, the, the the refs don't call it as tight and all that. They you gotta earn it in the playoffs, and and that's the thing that that carries James Harden. It's not so much of his 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 his, his scoring ability. It's his knack to get fouls. He is the master at that. He is the best at that. I've never seen a player um, that can fool the refs as much as he do in, in holding players' arms and making it look like a foul and throwing his head back and. <laughs> You know, it's it's to a point where he can do this all season. We've seen this before, but in the playoffs, we know that he can't carry his team. When they throw in the ball and expect him to do what he do, the refs are not going to call the fouls and stuff like that, and they're not going to win those tight games like, you know, he's done during the regular season. So that's the biggest thing, and that's why you're going to always see the same thing out of him. He's going to have to adjust his game in the playoffs. Until they do that, they're, gonna always get, they're never going to go to the finals. I agree, Los. I agree, Los. So... So, um, moving on, trying to keep these other things, looking at my phone, see if we missed anything. Um, huh, Griffin. <laughs> Blake Griffin. Blake. They won a game. The Detroit Pistons did. He's giving an interview bashing his teammates about focus and everything and how they, they've lost games like this, and he's not happy with the performance, and they very well could have lost. And here comes... Jackson Reggie Jackson, Jackson photobombing him <laughs> was that hilarious like was, I watched that I watched that clip at least 10 times how bro. ironic could that be <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly what I'm talking right. about <laughs> but it was that what silver lining in it he was able to basically give an example of what's been going on. <laughs> yeah. Everybody was yeah, able to yeah. see him right there. Blake, shut up, Blake. You haven't been healthy for the past five right. seasons. Oh, you, you're right. You're right. right. <laughs> he had to prove right there in the moment. Bro, like. That's embarrassing. Man, like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? Come on, man. Right. Like, what are you doing, bro? Like, I mean, I haven't been really keeping up with the Pistons much this year. And I don't know how much of a win against the Pelican. I guess what Blake was saying. I don't know how much. Shout out to my Pelicans fans that I know. <laughs> but I don't know how much of a win versus the Pelicans I'm really bragging about. And I guess that's what Blake was saying. Like, yeah, we won. But, hey, the, the, the Pelicans have been slumping for a while now. Yeah. So, I mean, I it, it, you know, it's a give or take thing, man. I You know, I... You know, but it is funny to, to see, you know, it in action. Right, right. 
do have a question, you know, since we're on the NBA topic, um, and we didn't, we really, we really didn't talk about this beforehand that we was going to talk about, but I wanted to ask y'all this. Do y'all think any huge moves are going to happen at the trade deadline as the trade deadline is coming up? You know, um, I know um, Anthony Davis' name has been mentioned. I know the Knicks made, you know, a bunch of their players available for trade. You know, and I know there's, you know, the Bradley Bill, um, you know, wizard situation where they haven't been as good as they want to be. Um, you know, John Wall, of course, is out for the season. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of big names out there right now and a lot of teams that, you know, there's kind of slumping. You know, another team will be the Memphis Grizzlies, who they're talking about getting rid of their two pieces or made them available uh, available for trade in uh, Michael Conley and, you know, uh, Gasol, Mark Gasol. So, I mean, do y'all think any big moves are going to happen? Uh, I, I don't think, I would say if I had to say yes or no, definitely on this, I would say no. Um, as far as the landscape, I do think that you will see one, at least one of the guys in Memphis be moved. So, you know, if you classify that as a big move, then yes, then that can be a big move. But I still think that we're a year away from any true movement or at least, several months away as far as like the off season before AD would be moved. Um, I don't see anything really within this season or any reason why the Pelicans would have to press the panic button right now uh, when technically he signed through 2020. And then um, also too as well with Bradley Bill, I think it's kind of tough to make a move on him right now with John Wall being out and with the way that Bradley Bill has been playing and with them, you know, kind of seeing that maybe Bradley Beal should really be the future of the franchise and really should be the go-to player and really should be the star of the franchise. Um, I think it might be kind of tough to move him. So I think we will probably see one, one if not both of the Memphis guys be moved. But, um, but I don't really see much else like big moves wise. But of course, things can always shock you in the NBA. Yeah, I, I I looked at the Knicks. They put they put a package on the trading block. I mean, I think a small move like that might take away uh, take place uh, with uh, Hardaway Junior. Uh, and those guys over there in the Knicks. I think that they're a mess in the Knicks. I think the Knicks in, are in desperation mode. Even though I think that their problem is not with the players, it's with the league office. But that's another topic for another day. But. Um, you know, I think a small move like that. But I don't expect any huge move. I don't think Anthony Davis will be gone. I don't think that – I don't think anything big. I saw a rumor that Brandon Ingram from the Lakers is on the trade block. Like, I don't expect any big moves to happen for the trade deadline. But I could be wrong. I've been wrong plenty of times before. Right. The interesting thing about this right now um, is I think something is brewing. I think it's something that's happening, you know. And the reason I say this, you're not hearing a bunch of stuff about – the Lakers, you know, you always hear this leak stuff. The only thing I've seen leak or was talked about really was Dennis Smith of the Mavs. You know, that was like a small thing that the Lakers was interested in him. But <coughs> you all right over there, bro? Excuse me, man. Excuse me. I've <laughs> been trying to shake a cold, but um, that's the only guy I've been really, you know, looking at is the Dennis Smith. Um, you know. You know, that's the type of deal. But right now, the surprising thing is no, nobody's really talking about anything as far as the Lakers. Nothing is being leaked. And that kind of that's kind of like I like it because, you know, the last two trade deadlines, Magic Johnson has been active. You know, he's been active. He, 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 he's been active since he's been in the office. So I wouldn't be surprised if he pulled out some type of move 
You know, Magic Johnson, he's always preaching this patience thing, but I know the competitor that he is, you know, he probably is not as patient as he's letting on to the fan base. So I wouldn't be surprised if he go ahead and push some type of move because right now the, the Lakers are right there for the playoffs, you know, and they've shown that they can compete with anybody. You know, of course, we all know we're Lakers fans here. You know, that's our that's our main talk. I always kind of go back to that. But I think I think Magic Brewing on something right now. Okay. Sidebar, you know, before we move on right quick, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's, I hope what you said, you know, before in the past about us potentially rooting for LeBron on a down end and he started getting hurt and all this kind of stuff, I hope it don't really be unfolding a, a, in our eyes right now. Like, I mean, as soon as he becomes a Laker, when is the last time or when have you ever seen LeBron really be hurt? Like, I, yeah. I can't think of a time. And for him to miss... 14 games at this point, 15 games counting the game that's going to happen tonight. Like, I mean, I just hope it's not unfolding wow. up. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's a good point, man, because I, I talked about um, that what before he was confirmed to the Lakers. I was like, man, if he comes to the Lakers, man, I hope I don't have to root for a, a decline in LeBron James. You know, no, Lowe said that for I think, years. I think that, I think that it's two things with that, knowing that Magic is the mastermind. I mean, you look at us now, we, we're one game, maybe a half game out of eighth place. We've been lingering there for the time. I mean, it's not like the ship has completely sank. They've won a couple games. I think it may be more of a thing where, Mag, you know, Magic plays a lot of mind games. It may be a thing where he's, you know, uh, training the team to not be so reliant on LeBron and to prove to themselves that they can survive a little bit without LeBron. Because a lot of a lot of LeBron's past teams, you know, are just solely reliant. Like that the team could not function without LeBron. Yeah. So I mean, I think that it, I think it's psyche. And then I mentioned to you guys, I've had a growing injury when I played high school ball on a small level. And you know, the only thing that can fix growing injuries, like I said, is is rest and treatment. So, you know, I think that, you know, they like, we're not about to rush him back. It's not like we just out of playoff contention because we know LeBron could come back and turn on and we can be back within the five or six range, five, fifth or six range seating. So I think it's more of a, a psychological thing that they plan. I think LeBron, if it was the playoff, LeBron would be playing. Yeah, but I, I think they're just taking their turn. I like that point. That's huge. I, I like that because, you know, we have seen before Lonzo, of course, got hurt that these players like Lonzo getting more aggressive. You know what I'm saying? You know, Kuzma coming into his own. Ingram controlling the ball. So I like that point. And I think if it works out like it's supposed to, keep that same aggression when he comes back. So that way LeBron can take those breaks and go off in the fourth quarter, taking it to the hoop mm-hmm. and not fading away and doing those different things. You know, because mm-hmm. he, he, he got his legs in the fourth quarter. Exactly. Kuz couldn't yeah, drop 40 know, with, with yeah. LeBron on the floor. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know we biased. But it things to get somewhat scary. That team comes together and is healthy for that playoff run. I mean, we saw what they did to Golden State on Christmas. This is, of course, pre-Boogie. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the Lakers are going to beat Golden State. But anybody else out there, I think the Lakers can beat any other team in a seven-game series. Yeah. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that. Yeah. So, all-star voting came back. And we know those all-star starters, uh, any, any snubs. I think I think locally people would think that AD got snubbed, but Paul George has been playing out his mind. Yeah, so Paul George is really a fringe MVP candidate. Could really be a top three MVP candidate right now if voting ended today. So I I don't really see any like major snubs. Anthony Davis didn't make it. 
Uh, for as far as starters, no, he's not a starter. Oh, okay. I was about to say, wait, what? Yeah. Okay, he can make the starting lineup. Okay. And I, and I, I don't know. I, I mean, looking at it, I don't, I don't, I mean, Kimba in there, you know, it may be questionable yeah, to some. but he's averaging 25 and, and I want to say around six assists this year yeah. with about probably four or five rebounds. Yeah. And the game is in Charlotte, so it kind of all aligns as well. But, but overall, I don't, I don't have a problem with, with, with the with these starters, uh, what's more interesting to me is when they pick. Hopefully, it's televised. And what if he, uh, Giannis came out and said that you know he's a he's a lover. He you know he would definitely pick Westbrook and Joel and B to be on the same team. <laughs> so that would be interesting to see. So that, that that that's that's a dynamic. We talked about a progressive NBA, and that's things that they are doing that got us engaged. I think that the NBA puts out the best. All star game, like I will really watch that. I'm not gonna watch the Pro Bowl. Yeah, yeah. but I, I'm gonna watch the All Star game. And, and this, I think, the All Star game has been entertaining for years. Yeah, I've I've been so so on the All Star game. I think last year it got a little bit back to where it needs to be. I think the year before that, when it was like yeah, it was 205 to 20, blah blah blah, and teams was just running up and down the floor. That's not entertaining to me. But I think that it has been the most competitive. Um, all-star game, and I think that last year really set that precedent when they went to this new format. They realized that they had basically kind of lost the players with it just being East versus West. They need to do something to bring that competition back. So, hey, let's mix this up. Let's, you know, pick teams. Let's blah, blah, blah. Yeah, let's I make think, this the world's greatest pickup right. game. And I think that even, too, by them televising it, if they do, in fact, which they said they would, I think that makes the competition go to the next level. Oh, you didn't pick me? Oh, you waited this late to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You didn't think I was... I think that and takes it to And we all time. know social media runs the world. So whoever got picked last is definitely getting drugged on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, uh, I mean, we, we got it, man. I think we got it all in, man. In that sort of a time. Uh, go Patriots. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. man. But, uh... Yeah, episode 28, man. Another wrap on it. Make sure that you follow us on O underscore Benchwarmers on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure that you subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher. Uh, we thank you for listening and hanging in there with us. Let us know your thoughts on the Super Bowl and that questionable call in the NFC Championship game with the Rams and the Saints on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, be on the lookout, man. We got some things coming to you. So uh, lock in. We appreciate all the support. And we thank you for listening. We signing out. Peace. Yeah. Go, go, go Patriots, man. Go Rams. <laughs>